Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Glad to be back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Having a little technical difficulty on my end, 1450 The Sports Buzz is going smoothly as ever. I had some computer problems, but we're here now. Everything should be good here in just a few moments, uh, and look forward to doing that. Trevor, we're going to switch. We're going to switch to Skype, and when are we going to do that? Right now. All right, that sounds good. Uh, so we we made the transition there on the air. We couldn't wait any longer. We had to go on. That, that, was, that was smoother than a quarterback handoff to the running back. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, you do sound so much better. It, it, it does make a difference, but uh, we couldn't wait any longer, so we had to go on. We were going to go on with the phone. We knew that we were going to be able to do this happen a little sooner than we thought, and here we are. Uh, so no show on Tuesday. I'll tell you why there was no show on Tuesday. And then yesterday, obviously, there was some Reds baseball, Little League baseball. Uh, exciting time for those kids, and not as an exciting time for the Reds. But uh, So that's why there was no show yesterday. But we're here today. We'll be here tomorrow. It's still fantasy football week. We're going to talk plenty of fantasy football. But there's also a lot of other stuff we need to talk about. We need to need to talk about Puerto Rico, Trevor, and, and the Cards playing down there and, and not playing all that well. Uh, we'll mention that. There's some Kentucky basketball news, and then there's a lot of Kentucky football things we haven't gotten to and also side topics that we love to get get going, uh, and we, we just haven't as, had as much airtime this week. So we'll, we'll get to all that today. Trevor, how have you been? Uh, I've been excellent, uh, other than uh, having a couple last couple of days off, uh, a little impromptu, thanks to your house collapsing, and thanks to uh, New Albany's Little League baseball team, even though they ended up losing yesterday. Uh, they're out of the tournament, unfortunately, for them. I was kind of hoping to see them go pretty far, but uh, other than that, it was good. I got to sit and watch a little bit of that Louisville Puerto Rico on Tuesday, and I didn't get to watch as much yesterday as I wanted to, but caught a little bit of it. My streaming was, uh, was less than, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, decent yesterday so it was very kind of frustrating and uh, i do find it amusing that uh, the entire time i've known you and be doing this show i think that's the earliest you've ever brought up louisville at any time as a topic on this show and of course it's because they're zero and four versus puerto rico that's uh and we'll, we'll talk more about that let me get into what happened on tuesday uh, so this happened earlier in the day not so it wasn't like right before i was about to go to my radio show this happened uh, so i'm a homeowner like I'm sure many of you listening, uh, and I'm I'm new to it. Bought my house in March, maybe April, is when I when I really started to live there, and haven't had any major problems. It is a for it was a for, foreclosure house, so you have to expect there's going to be some issues here and there, uh, but really nothing major. It, it's it's been a pretty smooth transition, and it's been nice. I, I like it. I like the house. I like the neighborhood, and. For the most part, I like owning that. I like being a homeowner. I like having something that I can take care of that I feel like I'm getting something back what I put in. But there was an issue when I first looked at the house. In the living room, there was this crack that went from side to side. And I, you know, I asked a few people if they thought that was anything major, if it was a big deal. They said it might be something to keep an eye on, but it shouldn't be anything too bad. It looks like they, they did some patchwork, and whoever did the patchwork maybe didn't do a great job of covering up. You could probably get that painted and, and, and get it taken care of if it bothers you that much. It didn't. I'm not very picky. I don't really care about that stuff, but I just wanted to make sure it wasn't anything serious. So long story short, 
uh, well, shorter, it's still going to be a long story. The crack had gotten worse and worse, and only in one area. It didn't go the length of the ceiling. It didn't get worse the length of the ceiling. It was just one area, and it had gotten worse and worse. And I remember when I went to Virginia for a basketball tournament, I came back, and it looked significantly worse. So I wasn't really sure what was going on. And it was concentrated, like I said, in one area, and it basically just started to the, – the ceiling started to sink a little bit. The crack got a little bit wider. Again – I was told that it probably wasn't anything that I had to worry about immediately. I shouldn't have to worry about it falling on me or anything like that. But it was probably something down the road that we were going to have to take care of. And maybe there was an easy fix for it. So eventually it got to a point where it was so bad, it was sinking so much that it was very noticeable that something was wrong. It looked bad and it kind of had bothered me. I'm not very picky about a lot of things, but this was pretty bad. So we see we checked out to see if there was a cheap fix, maybe just screwing the ceiling back up into the studs and painting over it and hoping that would work. So when we got a guy over here to kind of poke around, see if he could do it, the ceiling fell in that area, and it fell in a big way. Big big hole in the ceiling. And I think, Trevor, you sent out a picture of it not too long ago. Yeah, it was a nice-sized so, crevice. So that happened, uh, and at that point the decision was made that the entire ceiling had to go, obviously. Uh, it, even if we had just tried to drywall that one area, it still looked bad. It wouldn't look great. It was this very old, I guess the ceiling hadn't been replaced since the house was built in the 40s or 50s. Uh, it was like a concrete, it was like a plaster concrete material. wasn't drywall, obviously. So I spent that day, all day, tearing that down by myself. Uh, and the mess on the floor was unbelievable. And then friends came over, thankfully. And helped me take all the mess outside. I had to pay the trash men on Wednesday to get rid of all the trash. It was 30 trash bags of of plaster and concrete and nastiness. There's dust everywhere. Uh, so it was a it was a pretty bad Tuesday, all things considered. But things have moved fast at the Walker ca- compound. New ceiling is a new drywall ceiling is up. Just need to get it painted. We're doing a lot of other stuff. I'm going to end up making this room a lot better than it originally was. We're going to have lights. We're going to have a fan. I won't have to look at an ugly crack. So all in all, Trevor, it ends. Up, it's going to end up being okay. Uh, it's not, you know, it, it, it's taking a little bit out of my pocket. But again, like I mentioned, I'm a homeowner. I've got to expect that stuff. And you turned a negative into positive, and now it maybe take a little bit out of your pocket. So I guess we'll be doing a little extra overtime on the sports talker next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That, that that probably uh, that that would help if you can arrange that with the with the studio. Sure, I'm, I'm Sounds- in I'm in works with it. If that doesn't work, then I'm going to hook you up with a job at a Circle K. No, that works too. I, I'm down for either one. So it's been a it's been a wild week. There's been people in and out of the house all the time. We're going to also rip up my carpets here pretty soon. So just just living the dream, Trevor. Living the dream, uh, but. You know who's not really living the dream right now is, is Louisville basketball in Puerto Rico, and that's the segue. Do you like it? Was that a good segue? Uh, n- n- no, I don't because this this is the this is like the you've been like drooling I think to talk about this with me. Have you have you been like talking, looking at these games, watching these results, and the whole time going Andrew Harrison's revenge, Andrew Harrison's revenge, and just can't wait to like talk about this the way the Louisville's played in these these four games, which I'm not really worried about the losses personally, so you're not going to insult me, but. Uh, but bring him up with me to kind of rub it in my face that Louisville has lost four, four straight in Puerto Rico. Well, I've wanted to talk about this trip for a while and haven't really had the chance to because uh, last week I, I guess we had other things to talk about. And then um, for Monday, for whatever reason, we didn't get to it. Probably, you know, we had a busy show. But um, I've been meaning to talk to you, to you about it for some time. 
One, I think it's crazy how many games they're playing. And I know they cut out one game tonight, but man, that is a lot of basketball. You go zero and four, you you start cutting double headers down. <laughs> yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it. Also, here's the thing, and i i wanted to I, I wanted to talk about Rick Pitino's Ron Mercer comments, and we're a little late, and this isn't really breaking news. Like it would have been if we had spoken about it yesterday. What did you make of Rick Pitino's Damian Lee and Ron Mercer comparison? Is it really the most absurd or crazy comparison he's ever made? I mean, does it really rank in the same Palacios as, as the next Mashburn type comment? I mean, it's just, I mean, Mike Mars is the best shooter I've ever seen. I mean, it's Rick Pitino. I mean, you almost kind of get to the point where it's the same with Calipari. You're just kind of like, yeah, okay. You just don't even take him seriously. He's like the boy that cries wolf almost when it comes to comparisons and predictions and both and both fall in that same comparison. I mean, you just can't really take him seriously to a degree. Now, do I watch Damian Lee? Do I see a Ron Mercer stop? I mean, I I don't think he's better than Ron Mercer. I mean, he, he's got a quick shot. I see a similarities when I watched him in the first game on Tuesday. I saw Ron Mercer like similarities where he's coming off screens, quick shot, something Mercer did to a team better than anybody I think I watched in the mid-90s. Well, especially while at Kentucky, especially in the national championship game when he scored 20 against Syracuse. He's just coming off screens left and double screens left and right and knocking down jump shots with a quick release. So in those ways, yes, I saw similarities. But, I mean, would I say he's better than Ron Mercer? I mean, there's no way to say that right away. I mean, you haven't yeah. seen it. Other than just, I mean, if you're going to compare him just by his one game, 36 points in a debut against a Puerto Rico team, that a game a little loss, then, okay, yeah, I guess you can say, well, maybe he's better on Mercer. He's, he's one for one better than Mercer, maybe, but I mean, I don't see him being a complete player as good as Mercer. Maybe eventually, maybe as the season goes along, we'll say, okay, he does have a lot more Ron Mercer like esque game and does similar, does have a similar style as Ron Mercer. But I, it's a little too early to say that. But that's just Patino being Patino in some ways. It's like Manny being Manny. It's I'm at the point where I think maybe he's just. I don't really think he's doing this, but I have to wonder if he's. If he's just trying to troll people, if he's just trying to poke, <laughs> why does he always media? pick Kentucky players to compare the Louisville guys to? By the way, he's been Louisville now for like what thirteen years. I mean, you can't you can't find one Louisville guy you compare him to. Couldn't say Cisco. Couldn't, I mean, at some point now, I mean, early in the, early in his days at Louisville, I see where he was pulling the Louisville comparisons to UK players because he had a tenure at Kentucky longer than Louisville. But at this point, he's been at Louisville longer than he was ever at Kentucky. So I mean, why can't we pull some Louisville comparisons for once? Why we got to keep going back to those mid-90s teams to compare players to? Who would be – I don't even know who the Louisville comparison would be at this point. It's probably too early for any comparison. For I, well, I agree with that, but still. I mean, that, I think that's the moral of this story is after watching him play one game, and, and I know he's seen him play several times. I'm sure he's probably gone back and watched tape of him play at Drexel. But after seeing him one game in a Louisville uniform, you're ready to throw out a comparison to Ron Mercer, uh, you know, a guy that averaged uh, – that well scored 20 points in that national championship game was sec player of the year and an NCAA championship and a top 10 draft pick I, it's just i think I, I think he's really just maybe he just does that just because he he speaks what's on his mind at that exact moment or maybe he's doing this because he just likes to to ruffle feathers which he he does and he did with that comment i mean i get it would have been better if he said he was a poor man's ron mercer maybe would have been I mean, again, like I said, I, in the in the in the short time I've seen him, and I haven't, I'm not gone back and watched Drexel game footage, so I, you know, you can yell at me for that if you want. So I, I went into this, did the Damian Lee perspective as a fresh mind, and that was my first seeing of him. And I, you know, again, I saw, I could see where you would make Ron 
Mercer comparisons by the way he played that game. But, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's better than Ron Mercer after one game. But, again, it's it's Rick Pitino, TJ. I mean, how many times have we gone back and looked at a comment he's made and gone, really? I mean, seriously? I mean, it just it, it's it, the, the line is so long, it's, short, it's a quicker time to get on the beast at Kings Island than it is to go through those things. Yeah, it just seems that he he needs to he needs to cut it out. Somebody Kenny Klein needs to tell him, "Hey Rick, why don't you, you know, I know you're the head man and you could fire me just like that, but uh, why don't we slow down on on saying crazy things?" Should, should we have like him attached like uh, electrodes attached attached to him so every time he makes a comparison he gets a shock? Yeah, I think that would help. <laughs> would that help him maybe would that help him get past the uh the, the bad habit of comparing people? I think that's a good idea. But what, what? In all honesty, I haven't watched every single one of Louisville's games in Puerto Rico's, but I've got a gist of of who looks good, and I've seen I've seen enough. Uh, and I'm and there's plenty more Louisville versus Puerto Rico basketball to come. Did you what, order? Did you order the games? Did you? Did I did you? not. I did. I did not order it myself. No. Oh, uh, so you pirated it? Somebody? How dare you? I didn't. I, I I've got friends, Trevor, and, <laughs> and they have they have TVs. Um, yeah, I don't. I find that believable. And but what have you made so far of of their performance? Here's what I said, and I said this going into it uh, to some of my Louisville buddies because it's just human nature for people to overreact one way or the other. But unless somebody is consistently good in all these games, or the majority of those games, six or seven of them, or somebody's consistently bad in all of them, or the majority of them, I'm not going to take much away from this trip whatsoever. Maybe if somebody is more versatile than we thought and maybe could play multiple positions and you can see that, that'd be one thing. Maybe if somebody showcases that they're going to be a good three-point shooter, that would be another. But I'm not going to make any huge assumptions one way or the other unless something is certain throughout all these games. And so far, I haven't seen anything. Uh, Damian Lee has shown that he's going to be able to score, but I'm not, I don't think he's going to go into the season and I'm going to expect him to be a 20-plus point scorer. Um, I've liked so far some of the things I've seen from Anuwaku, but that doesn't still answer all the questions for Louisville's front court for me. So I'm not going to take away any major assumptions, at least at this point. And there, again, there still seems like there's 15 more games that they're going to play. But are you on the same boat? Are you on the same path as me there? Yeah, I didn't expect to take a whole lot. I mean, I, I wanted to get a, a first kind of taste, a glimpse, kind of a sample, like a little a little. Little samples you get at Baskin Robbins with the little uh, spoons, and you get a little bit of taste in your mouth of what it might be, but you don't get the whole scoop. That's kind of what I looked at going into this. Like I said, I didn't get to watch much of yesterday. I was going to go back and watch that tonight when I got out of here at 8 o'clock after doing uh, these three shows. And of course, watching tonight's game as well, which I'll be behind on because I'm trying to catch up a little bit. But uh, Damian Lee stuck out a little bit. Raymond Spalding stuck out a little bit. But I mean, even. The highlights you can say, well, they did this and that. The defense has been bad on on, on all round for Louisville. They've been allowed allowing Puerto Rico to kind of score at will. The officiating has been horrible. Louisville fans have been complaining about it nonstop, and it has been bad. But you, I mean, what else do you expect? You're down. You're playing in Puerto Whoa, Rico Louisville against fans Puerto Rico. Complaining about officiating? Yeah, it's almost as shocking as a Kentucky fan complaining, isn't it? Uh, so, <laughs> hey, I've been to I've been to both stadium arenas and both stadiums, and. Uh, there is a difference between fans, Louisville and Kentucky, of who complains more about officials. Yeah, they both complain too much. Let's agree to do. Both, let's agree on both, that one. Both of them do complain. I mean, every home fan does complain. Oh, but man, I've been at some Louisville games where I thought people were going to run on the court. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so but they have been bad. They have been homeristic. But I mean, you know what? It's it's it's, it's kind of just takes. It's a glorified practice, and it's kind of stole my glory in saying that. And that it is. 
I mean, you're not really seeing Louisville trying to win. This how we went into this. I talked to Coffee about this more than I guess you and me talked about going into it. And you know, I did I expect Louisville to go undefeated? Yes, of course not. Did I think Louisville was going to go on four? I kind of surprised at that. Obviously, I didn't expect them to start zero and four. I thought maybe a five hundred record coming out of this, maybe a loss or two. I didn't think they'd go undefeated. I know they're playing grown men. You've got Maurice uh, Harkless, Mo Harkless, excuse me, JJ Brer. The Puerto Rican team's got NBA talent on it, but that still doesn't mean that Louisville can't be competitive. And the really, the, again, the thing that stands to me mostly was, has been defense. Of the, the the way they've allowed Puerto Rico to get just so many open looks, especially from the perimeter. Puerto Rico's taking advantage of it big time, especially yesterday. That's been the the one thing that's irritated me the most. The pluses on offense. Lee, Spalding, and company. I mean, those are nice, but, you know, I don't take too much out of it because I don't expect Raven Spalding to be scoring 19 points and having eight rebounds and four blocks at any point probably in any game during this regular season anyway. And I don't expect Damian Lee to score 36 points unless he is going to go 11 from 18 from the field, and I don't think that's going to happen on a regular basis at any point this season. Well, well said, Trevor. I, yeah, just I, mean, I just don't. I just. They're just like they're they're, you, they're 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 special red white games to me. That's what these are to me. I mean, I I, I take well, exactly. a little bit. That's from what I'm them. saying. You shouldn't take you shouldn't yeah. take too much away from it. I don't think Louisville should be. I, I think it's semi concerning. Louisville got beat by 32 last night, but then again, it is yeah. August, and there isn't going to be really a true meaningful game. It depends really what you consider a meaningful game. I mean, was it but, concerning when Kentucky lost last year to the Dominican? I mean, was well, that concerning? Had, no, it wasn't that, concerning. It was well, it was upsetting that's, to that's, a degree, that's, but it wasn't that's concerning. Different. That's a different story. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, obviously Kentucky we knew was going to be better than Louisville was going to be this year. That's like, I'm not going to Kentucky had beaten that Dominican team. <laughs> that, they, they had beaten that Dominican team earlier that trip, and that was their last game or second to last game. Second to last, that, I believe, yeah. In that in that entire process, but the point but, was it wasn't concerning regardless, and I don't think no, this is too concerning. It is a little concerning thing for some little fans. You'll see the occasional ones, the 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 true fanatic ones, the ones that you probably are are lumping into the ones that complain too much about officiating uh, about it. You'll see some of them probably stand a little close to the ledge, looking down like Jimmy Stewart. But I, I don't think most fans are going to look at this and go, "Yeah, is it?" Uh, do we not want to go winless in this? Of course not. You never want to see your team go winless. You know, we watch preseason football. You're a Packer fan. You care less if they win or lose, but you still don't want to really see them lose. You still want to see them go undefeated in the preseason, like you want to see them go sixteen and zero in the regular season every year. And so do I with the Eagles. So, uh, but you don't you don't lose sleep over a loss. You're not gonna like you would you know in week four against the Bears if you lost to them. So I mean, it's you. Take a little bit of concern with it, but not too much. Keep it in perspective, and I would hope so, that most little fans are. Some are, and I'm sure some aren't. I'll tell you what's a little bit concerning is that, and this is kind of switching gears, but kind of not. Tonight, Trevor, we're going to announce our keepers. We're switching it up. Usually we do it an, <laughs> usually we do it an hour before the draft. I, I uh, announced my keepers on my league uh, two weeks before it was even due. Well, I'm well, that we're confident making, who I'm keeping. So if Justin Forsett and Jeremy okay, Hill get injured, I'm okay, screwed. Trevor, hey, quit. <laughs> quit. Yeah, I, I, yeah, a lot of people know who they're keeping, but we're making it official tonight so people can cross people off their sheets. There's three teams where we maybe don't know who is being kept. It's really not that big of a deal. But for some reason, they want to do it early this year. And here's the connection. The concerning thing is we're talking about what bars we're going to go to, and there's one that's showing Louisville games. All these Louisville fans of mine don't—they're the majority of them—they don't even care to watch the game. Now I don't know what to make of that. Probably nothing, but 
I would at least, I, I mean, have you already had your fill of Louisville versus Puerto Rico where you don't care to watch it anymore? No, I missed, like I said, I, I, was, unable I, to, I was unable to watch a lot of yesterday's game, especially the second one, because I was doing a show uh, here with uh, the, the, the Triple Threat Talk guys, so I didn't get to watch really any of the second game. I'm going to go back and watch it tonight. I mean, I, I missed it live, so I'm going to go back and watch it replay tonight. So, no, I'm not, I would definitely not turn down missing a game. I mean, I watched. I'm going to be behind. I'm watching last night's game tonight and then watching tonight's game after that. But then again, I stay up till 4 in the morning, so i got plenty of time to knock it out. And I know and there's some people probably listening to the show right now saying, why are you talking basketball on August 13th right before football season? We're going to talk more football later, I promise. But basketball in this state is king. Everybody knows that. And whether your team's playing in April, March, or even August, like Kentucky did the last year, Louisville this year, uh, I think a lot of people just can't get enough of it. That's why I'm so surprised that they don't really care to to miss a game. But we'll see. We're going to talk more fantasy football. We're going to talk more college football. There's, I, I haven't even given you all my Jason Hatcher take yet. That's how behind we have been on the show this week. Or I haven't even talked about his loss for the first two games and what's that what that means for UK. What position we also, are we tonight, by the way? We're defensive line. Okay. We're, we're going to go to the defensive line. We're going to do that, too. It's also supposed to be Throwback Thursday yeah, as well, Trevor. I got, I got, I got the audio ready. I, I don't have, so I don't have, I don't have it lined up yet. But we do have commercial breaks. Maybe I can figure something You've out. You've had there. two days, TJ. Oh, it's been busy day. Well, yesterday, yesterday was still busy, but not, not radio related. Tuesday, I couldn't do anything with the radio. But uh, long story short, I don't have it. Okay, don't don't have it, but I can do it. I'll I'll figure something out. Maybe we'll we'll alter it a little bit uh, today. The way I, the way I pooped the bed last time on uh, Throwback Thursday, I'm probably better off if you do a, a quick one and I get it easier. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll figure something out. Uh, we're gonna head to commercial break. We when we come back, we will maybe we'll talk defense line when we come back and just and do that because there's also some some TV shows I need to talk about. Uh, there's there's so much to talk about. We'll, we'll, I want to make sure we get the defensive line stuff in, so we'll probably do that when we come back from the break. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. Take Tylenol for any headaches. Might offer any cramps. Shut up. Presented by Allen Electric. We're back. When we're on the air, and today we've done quarterbacks, we've done running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. We're moving to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to be talking defensive ends, defensive tackles, the defensive line, the guys that uh, have struggled in the past few seasons, especially the not, not, not necessarily on the end with Bud Dupree and Zadarius Smith the last few seasons, uh, but certainly up front, is this the year that changes? We'll talk about that. 
right now here on the position series preview, the defensive line. This arm ready to throw about 2,000 yards next fall. Deep right sideline, got a man. 25, 20, we got a touchdown, Kentucky. Garrett Johnson. And let me tell you what, you're looking good. Floats it up the far sideline. Catch made, Javis Blue across the 45, gets the block, cuts left at the 50. Look out, he's across the 30, he's across the 20, he's across the 10, 5, touchdown, Kentucky. 13 starters coming back, 22 Lattleman. Kemp straight ahead, touchdown, Kentucky. Looking tough. His squad is in the house. Steps up in the pocket, slides right at the 10, sacked. Zadarius Smith. Let's open up the whole can of kick ass and kill them all. Let the paramedics sort them out. Thomas throws far side, intercepted. Uh oh. Down the far sideline, it's Marcus McWilson. Pick six, touchdown Kentucky. All right, and we're back here. So let's go on and preview it up, Trevor. Uh, they have to be better, and, and this is kind of where it starts on the defense. That, that is simply put, they have to be better, and we've almost said that almost at every position, but it really is where it starts. We don't know how the secondary is going to be. It'll likely be improved, but even if that if UK secondary improves just a little bit, it still won't be very good. Uh, the defensive line, they can make life easier for the secondary, though. If they can get a push, if they can not give a quarterback all day to sit back there and pick apart a defense that is already not not great, uh, that would that would drastically change things. I do think it'll be better. Now, can it be significantly better? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see what Melvin Lewis brings to the table and Reggie Mint and some of these guys that we haven't seen so much of. Uh, Far- Farrington Huguenin will have to take a, a big step forward and it's, it's rare when you ask that out of a senior, Trevor, uh, that a senior that hasn't been all that great throughout his career, I wouldn't necessarily say underwhelming because his expectations weren't too high when he came in, but a, a player that hasn't been all that great, you're going to have to ask him to be much better there at the defensive end position. Um, it could be tough. It, it could be tough. And what what progress and what kind of contributor is Matt Elam heading into his sophomore year? He's lost weight. He's put on muscle. Uh, he's got a year of experience under his belt where he played a lot at, for a freshman in the SEC on the defensive line. So what can he do in year two? You're finally starting to get some bigger SEC bodies, but does that translate to success in the trenches? It's – it's the, what did Barty Stinson once say on How Much Mother? Uh, something new is always better. I mean, at least you can keep the, keep that mindset going into the defensive line because it is a new defensive line. As you mentioned, a lot of question marks. You don't have to pre. You don't have Smith back. I mean, that's about 60% of your sacks from last year. You do get the second. Well, the secondary we'll get into later. But, uh, I mean, the, with, the, with the front line, I mean, I don't know a lot about the guys. I'm hoping you would tell me, despite the fact that you're – I mean. Two of the three players that are at least listed currently on the, the depth chart are seniors. Melvin Lewis, one of the names you brought up. You got Matt Elam coming back. I mean, is he going to be an actual impactful player? Is he going to be a white, overrated version of Ted Washington at the end of his career? I mean, it's a guy that's just going to 
just stand there and fill up space for the linebackers, which sometimes maybe that's all you need them to do. But I, you, there's got to be a better defense. You've got to get pressure on the quarterback with this front three or front four, whatever you want to look at it, the, the defensive line in general, and get some pressure off the linebackers, even though some of them will be labeled as pass rushers. Jason Hatcher is kind of a weird situation with defensive line because even though he's a linebacker, he's kind of more of a pass rusher when he will be on the on the field. And get some pressure off the defensive backs that you do bring back experience in, but give them give them more not less chance of having to be out there on an island, so to speak, um, more often than not like they were somewhat last year, even though you did have Dupree and you had Smith who were decent and solid, and obviously Dupree being a draft pick. you got a lot of gap to fill up for those. I mean, we've had question marks in this this little – preview coming through and the defensive line might be the biggest question mark not because we don't know what's going to we're going to get out of them but we don't even know to me the names I don't even know some of the names are and that's understandable at least at the wide receiver position I can say question mark I don't know what Blake Bowen's going to do I don't know what Dorian Baker how he's going to progress I can say question mark for that but I know those guys I've seen them on was the defensive line I have question mark, and I have just completely, utterly lost question marks. Like, I don't know so who they're, you are. <laughs> other than you're Matt literally Eli. questioning who the people are. Understand. Exactly. And also, you, Zadari Smith was also drafted last year. True. I apologize for Zadari, you're right. Uh, but the, and you're right. It, it is a bigger, it seems like we got in a really stupid debate, go figure, not too long ago, where we asked if they were holes or question marks and what the differences were. Yeah. Here, it's taking that debate to the biggest extreme because I'm not really, I'm not ready to say that this is a hole for Kentucky. I don't, I'm not, I'm not ready to say the defensive line is going to be as a unit just a, a position that UK is not going to get anything out of. If you're listening to the coaches, and obviously there's a lot of coach speak in any program and this and that, but you can really read UK's coaches pretty well, especially Mark Stoops, DJ Elliott's a little bit tougher, the defensive coordinator, but. What, those guys, those two players, those what those two guys have been talking about in regards to players have been a lot about uh, Lewis, Melvin Lewis, who's got a great backstory, uh, and, and Reggie Mint is, is one of the. They're saying that Melvin Lewis has been the guy maybe to take the 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 biggest step forward and improving, and they're saying uh, that you have Reggie Mint as one of the biggest surprises. So those are good things that they're talking about. In regards to the these question marks, Trevor, is that they are touching base that these guys are making improvements, that they are taking the next step forward, and they're really going to have to. And you want some depth of that position, and I, th- I think that's still, if they are able to carry the load, if Lewis and Mint are able to carry the load, that's good for Matt Elam because then he's still just a sophomore, although he looks like he's 45 years old, still just a sophomore, and he still needs to improve. But let him get. Don't have to. Don't throw him in the fire right away, and let him gradually improve, like most players do in, in major programs. And then a defensive end. We we've seen a lot out of Huguenin. We've seen what he's been able to do, and he's been good at times. He just needs to be consistently good. Now he doesn't have to be great, but he really can't be bad. He just consistently needs to be in the right spot, know what he's doing, and I think being a senior is going to help him there. And I could see guys like Mick, Corey Johnson, the, those are your two leading sack guys coming back. They combined for four and a half sacks last year, which, by the way, is the same amount Smith gave you and three less than what Dupree gave you. And then tackle-wise, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of tackles sometimes off your defensive line, especially when you're running a 3-4. But obviously you mentioned Lewis, who does come back, probably the leading tackler on that line at 37 tackles total. Yep. 
half a sack. So, I mean, those guys being circled as the guys that you have the biggest promise for is not a shock because those are also the guys that showed you at least, while it may not have been a huge plate for, they gave you at least a little bit of a sample last year of maybe what they can do when they come in. Elam's a big key for me, and I I mentioned I made the kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek backhanded comment, uh, compliment of, you know, calling him a, a, a white uh, version of Ted Washington, but, you know, that's not really a bad thing, especially if you're going to play in that nose tack on that middle because if anybody knows how valuable Ted Washington was, it was Brian Erlacher. I mean, he's overhyped his whole career because of he was able to, to benefit off of Ted Washington taking up two blockers, three blockers at a time on that defensive line. Yes, Bears fans, and I'm sorry, you're like arguing Brian Erlacher is the most overrated, line, maybe overrated middle linebacker in history of the NFL. And wow. that's and that's because Ted Washington guys like that big guys Tony Saragusa style guys and maybe in the long line of that le- level Matt Elam guys six seven three hundred sixty pounds I mean one human being cannot block three hundred sixty pounds six foot seven it's not humanly possible unless you're Andre the Giant and last I checked he died twenty years ago so I mean you're not going to be able to do it it's going to take two guys and it doesn't take simple mathematician to think well if two guys are taking blocking one it means someone's going to be free. And if you're a guy like a regiment or a uh, or a Corey Johnson or anyone else on those other ends or the linebackers we'll get into later on that are more pass rushers anyway on the outside, then Matt Elam, the way he progresses in terms of being able to just – not even even if his numbers at the end of the year, you look at him and go, oh, he had, what, 20 tackles. He didn't have any sacks. He had maybe – his numbers don't impress me. Obviously, he didn't play well. It doesn't mean Jack Diddley squat because of the guy his impact – it's not going to show up on any kind of scoreboard or any kind of – or it's going to show up on the scoreboard. But it's not going to show up on any kind of stat sheet. And that's – he's the biggest, I don't know, say question mark or hole, whatever you want to call it. He's the one I think that can really make a difference in this defensive line being – progressing forward or staying where it's at. And if not, if it worse, even taking a step back from last year. And there's some other names. Kentucky brought in – Juco's Avante Bell and Courtney Miggins. Avante Bell was at one point the gem of Joker Phillips. I guess would that be his 2012 recruiting class? And he was never able to make it to campus. Uh, he's uh, very, very athletic. He, I'm not saying he's going to fill in that Bud Dupree role. And uh, he got to campus. He's just now getting to campus. So he, there's obviously going to be some time where he has to learn exactly what's going on. And it might, he might not make a bigger impact until later into the season. But he might have that athletic ability that UK is going to be missing uh, that Bud Dupree took with him to the NFL. Uh, Courtney Miggins is going to add some depth to the position, and um, you know he's a big body. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. Redshirt freshman uh, Adrian Middleton, I'm, I'm excited to see him. There are a lot. There, this is what Stoops has been able to do. Not to because I'm not so sure it's going to be all positive on the defensive line. I think it it can be. It could be. But here is a positive, that Stoops has been able to drastically improve the depth of this position and the size, and you're starting to get some guys. Not that Joker didn't have these guys. Rich Brooks had some of these guys. Joker didn't have these guys. You're starting to get some of these guys that look like SEC players that, yes, they're still going to take time. Nobody in the SEC can come in from day one at, at, at the defensive line. I wouldn't say nobody, but you know, you, you've had Clowney and you've got some other guys, but... Uh, very few people can come in from day one in the defensive line in the SEC and make a significant impact. And I'm not saying that some of these freshmen are going to be able to do that for UK, but you're setting them up for a better future because they're bigger and they are better, uh, which is 
pretty obvious. A better future comes with better players, and, and Stoops has been able to do that. So still a lot of question marks. I think there are guys. I think at the end of the season, we're going to have a much better idea of UK's future at this position going forward. Because while you mentioned that there are some seniors and there are some older guys, Huguenin on the end is a senior. Melvin Lewis is uh, is a senior. Johnson's a senior. See, yeah, you've got that's Johnson. That's about it. I mean, the rest of them also are all playing time. CJ Corey, CJ Johnson, uh, also a senior. But a lot of these younger guys are going to get a ton of playing time. They're going to be around. While I am high on some of those seniors, or you know, really mostly uh, Lewis for the most part, although I think the other guys are going to be okay. Uh, I don't think any of those it, when they leave, it's going to, you're going to say, "Wow, what a huge loss." And that might be indicative to what this season's going to look like. But point being, I think there is talent here. Now, whether or not that talent is tapped this season, we'll see. But I think the future is bright at this position moving forward. I can't argue that. I think there's definitely looking at looking at on paper, there's definitely a perspective to be optimistic about this season being an improvement and being a definitely a footsteps forward into being a better oh, an SEC a, a, on a regular basis SEC right and talented defensive line. Now, one yeah, of those I, questions are answered again. I go back to it is uh, to me is a lot of regarding Matt Elam and, and how he progresses. Now, I can see where he's not going to be able to play on da- every down. Because he's probably even at 360 pounds, maybe doesn't have the motor or the uh, the consistency to be able to do that on a regular down by down basis every game. But then you have the benefit of having a guy like Melvin Lewis, who is six four, 330 pounds, straight out of Compton, and can step up there and give him, you know, be a, a guy, change of pace guy for Elam until he gets in that uh, that conditioning and down to where he can be. Hopefully, in his junior and senior year for Kentucky fans, a every down or at least. 75 to 80 percent as opposed to this year where he's probably physically only able to maybe play 60 percent of the downs yeah so i i think in furthermore on that point i mean trevor i wish we could kind of go back and forth more so with what you're saying but i'm pretty much agreeing with with most of it and, and captain arctic says that you're spot on on matty elam he has to hold off the offensive line and let linebackers make the play and that's ideal for for any defensive line. Well, it's ideal, uh, especially I, when you run a four three or a three four, whatever. It is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to have you have to have that Saragusa, Trevor Kelsey, Ted Washington size <laughs> guy in the middle. You like I slipped my name in there, don't you? Uh, you have to have that type of guy, but it just can't be. You know, it, it can't be just a sick. You can't say, oh, he's going to do it because he's six seven three hundred sixty pounds. I mean, I weigh three hundred sixty pounds, probably a little more about there. And I can't. I'm not. I wouldn't put myself out there. I'm six three, three sixty, and I'm not going to probably take up any blockers. So it's more just the size. That's a good plus and a good way to start and get going. But you got to be able to be in conditioning and be able to be out there regularly. And last year, Matt Elam, I mean, you saw it. He'd go out there and he'd be he'd be out of breath and after one play and have to sit out probably the rest of the quarter in some cases. He's got to get past that and be able to be in better conditioning. Maybe not completely hundred percent conditioning this year because you have Melvin Lewis there who has has shown he can play that position and give you some breaks, but he's got to show that he can, like I said, be closer to playing 70 to 80% of the snaps by his junior year, opposed to last year where he's playing 30 to 40% of the snaps at best. And to wrap this up, because, you know, we're, we've, we've made our point that there may be some people here, there, the future looks like it could be better for Kentucky at this, uh, in the trenches, but whether or not it's this year, we'll find out soon enough. But my, I guess give me one player, you've kind of already touched on it, Trevor, but just one player that 
Kentucky fans should should watch out for. For me, again, uh, everything you had mentioned about Elam, Mint, Lewis, all those guys is spot on. For but for me, they're going to miss Bud Dupree's athleticism. He he made a lot of plays with that athleticism by himself. Not so much necessarily as a football player. He did that too. But just where you went, whoa, that was that was a smart play and a play that a lot of people couldn't make just because they're not as athletic. The the game winning touchdown against South Carolina was was up there in terms of just a freak athlete play. So for me, Avante Bell is going to be really intriguing for me to watch. Maybe it won't be this year that he really really becomes the player that I think he's going to be. Maybe it's next season, but it will be fun to see how UK uses him because I, I do think he may be he is the best athlete on the front line. For Kentucky, and he might not even be a guy that gets a ton of playing time early in the season, like I mentioned. So he's the guy to watch for uh, if he can turn into, like I said, the player I think he's going to eventually be. The s- sooner than later, uh, then Kentucky's defense and especially the front line might might be serious. Might be as good as maybe the 2007 or 2008 front line. Uh, but t- but time will tell. Who's yours? Uh, well, I, I pretty much I think made it clear uh, where I think where I sit with a guy like Matt Elam and Melvin Lewis. I think those are the biggest keys, but. Aside from them, because listen, even if those guys are taking up two blockers, in Madden's case, maybe three blockers, then you know, good if your defensive end can't go beat a guy one on one or even get to a quarterback when he has nobody in front of him. So, with that being said, and you mentioned Reggie Mintz, so I'll, sla- I'll, I'll pass him. I'll go to the, what, the two guys that are probably your pass rushers on the defensive line. This is more of affecting the linebackers, guy, outside linebackers in this scenario than anything. But I look at the guy you mentioned, Adrian Middleton, this, the uh, redshirt freshman who uh, looks to probably get some playing time, as well as the, um, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'll let you pronounce it, the senior for me. Uh, begins with an A. Barrington Huguenin. Huguenin, yeah. Those are the two names I would look at, because those are your guys that have to benefit from guys like Lewis and more more so Elam taking up blockers out on the defensive line, at least. Those are the guys that will get more one-on-ones when then if, 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 if that maybe when, when I say one on ones I don't mean one on one with a tackle sometimes in some cases maybe one on one with a gu- undersized guard or one on one with a running back trying to block out of the backfield because the guard in the center and the guard the guard and tackle both have to take on Matt Elam and, and if he doesn't take advantage of that those guys can't take advantage of the situations they're given because of the benefit of having guys like Elam and Lewis next to him in the middle then it's all for nothing and it's 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 a pointless situation and you have to move on. And that and that is assuming that Elam and Lewis they they can be that player that sure, you're sure. That, that you know that they can be that guy that takes up space. But you know, there's no reason that that maybe they shouldn't be. Uh, but we'll see. That's the defensive line. That might be one of the longest ones we've gone. Been and probably rightfully so, Trevor, because while quarterback, well, it seems like every position I've said, well, this one's really important and this one's really important. This one is important. I wouldn't say it's the most important, but there probably are, at least up to this point, more questions about the defensive line than any other position that we've broken down. Well, the defensive line is the key to your own defense. I mean, your defensive line doesn't get pressure or stop the, 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 the line of scrimmage, then it affects your linebacks. It's a trickle-down effect. It, it, it goes is a all the way back down, down the cornerback. So, I mean, the defensive line to me, and I've always been a big fan of the defensive line, and then, yeah, we did take a long time talking about probably the smallest position as well next to quarterback because there's only three of them that are going to really be playing in a 3-4. So, but, I mean, it's, it's still it's the most important thing because if they don't do their job, that affects the linebackers. And that affects the linebackers, that affects the defensive backs. And Kentucky at this point, I mean, while maybe improving, they still cannot afford to put extra pressure down the line on positions where they haven't yet filled the gap, I think, to be able to sustain that. Yep, I I agree with that. All right, with that said, we're going to head to commercial break. We come back, 
maybe a throwback Thursday. I'm trying to figure out what we can do there. Just pick a uh, random we, year and just Google it. Go to Wikipedia. This happened in 19 blah, blah. And just, but it sometimes <laughs> takes me like 15 minutes to make sure I get a good one. And I'm trying to think of what other throwback Thursday. What other throw? I, I, I've got I've got an idea. I you got an idea now? I know I know what we're gonna do. It'll All be right. fun. You'll right. you'll like it. Uh, and I like, like it if it. I win. I mean, you'll. It, well, I'm not saying you. I'm saying the listeners will like it. It'll be something they're gonna be able to play along with. Uh, we'll do five or ten throwback Thursdays. You'll see what I'm talking I about. Stick around it. here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. He's cute, ain't he? Only problem is he's got a little bit of Mississippi leg hound in him. If the mood catches him right, he'll grab your leg and just go to town. <laughs> you don't want him around if you wear his short pants, if you know what I mean. <laughs> now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. A word of warning, though, if he does lay into you, it's best to just let him finish. Presented by Allen Electric. We're back here on 1450 of the Sports Buzz after an extensive look at Kentucky's defensive line in the last segment. And we're gonna we're gonna table football till tomorrow, I think. Maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll get back to it here in a little bit. College football, that is. Uh, we, we're still gonna talk a little fantasy football for my own sake. But before we do that, it is Thursday. We're gonna change up the game a little bit, but it's still throwback Thursday, just a special edition. Maybe we'll maybe we'll keep doing this. Who knows? So here it is, Throwback Thursday. It's that time. What time is it? Damn time. What we gonna do right here is go back, way back, back into time. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? So yeah, thought ya might like to go to the show. Contestants. Good luck. Now, question number one. Who discovered America? Dick York? Dude, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. All right, your first question. 1588. That is correct. All right. We're back here. So this is what we're going to do today, Trevor. This is Throwback Thursday for today here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're going to give you, or I'm going to give you, the name of of somebody. I won't tell you who it is, but I'm going to give you the name of somebody. All you have to do is, on this Throwback Thursday, tell me where they went to college. Are you serious? Fair enough. Uh, you're giving me alma maters? Oh, good lord! Why don't you, you throw gotta, a fastball down the middle to Albert Pujols too? 
Hey, then good. I, I'm not. You think I'm against you for some reason? I, I want yeah, you to. No, well. I think you are against me. I think. I think. No. You, I think you stay up at night, like 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 brain from Pinky and the Brain, like doing the little thing with your hand, going, "How can I stump Pinky tomorrow?" You know. You know, Big Bag Dave, who calls in from time to time. I, I'm. I fully wear Big Bad Dave. Yes. Uh, it's Big Bag Dave. B A G, not bad. Oh, he's not bad. No, well, it's he's a he's a big he's a his nickname is a bag of trash, so it's Big Bag Dave. I hate to ask where he got the nickname because he's just a he's a trash ball. That's how he got the nickname. Uh, but he is unbelievable at telling you where people went to college. I don't know if he just stays up at night and studies that stuff or 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 what the deal is. Does he have like uh, the squiggly lines like the the character in Peanuts that has the smell off of him because he's a big bag of trash? He doesn't smell like trash. He just acts like a big. He's a he's a trash ball. He acts like a trash okay. ball. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I hope he was listening when I said that. Uh, but we're going to. But if you're good at it too, then good. This will probably be easy for you, to be honest. Hopefully, as long as you don't give me some like tennis questions or something. All right. Anyways, uh, and, and these are going to be players that are close to you that you know have some effect in your life, some effect on my life. It, it'll it'll be good stuff. Well, okay. So. Throwback Thursday brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentucky Anna's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP, for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Let's get into this it. This whole hot mess of a show is brought to you by Allen Electric. You've got to just guess where they went to college. Okay. Simple as that. So let's start with uh, somebody that's been in the news lately. Your boy, J.J. Berea. J.J. Berea went to Northeastern University. Way to go. All right. Any Victory! idea on the <laughs> Any idea on the years? Uh, he graduated in 2004, 2003? 2004. 2006. Uh, 2002 to 2006, he was there. Louisville played in the year after he was there. I remember I was in college. I just can't remember which year it was. Impressive. Impressive. Okay. Uh, this one this one should be pretty easy for you. Uh, this, boy, th- this guy will be throwing balls to your boy, Devontae Parker. Ryan Tannehill, where'd he go to college? <laughs> I went to Texas A&M. Easy enough, two for two. We came, we saw, we kicked it ass. All right, next one. I only got uh, two right answers. I got three, three for wrong and two for right. I guess I should have done a different way. Oh, that's a it's a it's a new format. All right, so this is a he's good buds with your boy Rick Patino. Where did Ralph Ralph Willard go to college? Holy Cross. Oh, that. Victory! I didn't even wait. I didn't even I wait for a right answer on that. I already knew it was right. I thought you. Uh, I, I thought you, that one might trip you up a now little bit. No, he coached Holy Cross when they were 15 seed. Is it on modern when they lost to Kentucky and Tubby Smith? Oh, 2001. Good for you. Okay, next one. Mike Wallace, who will be catching passes from your boy Teddy Bridgewater. Before that, he was catching passes at Ole Miss. Are you right about that? We came, we saw, we kicked it ass. You, this, All right, is, this, is, this is my wheelhouse, buddy. You're just you're mowing them down. All right, one of my uh, catching passes alongside with one of my guys, Randall Cobb. Tell me where Devontae Adams went to college. Ooh, now that's a good one. Um, Second round pick in 2014. Really? Ooh, I didn't even I wouldn't even know that one. Um, wow. Uh, I know this is wrong, but it's the first clip popped in my head. This is gonna be my first wrong answer at Boston College. Wrong, Fresno State. <sighs> You dumbass. <laughs> you got one wrong, and that's okay. All right, tell me where my boy and likely my keeper, sadly, Joyke Bell went to college. Uh, that's another good one. Um, 
you know, I, I, I want to say California, but that's Devon Best, and I, that's why I'm confusing the two. Um, Cal State Fullerton. Wayne State University. I wonder if that has anything to do with Little Wayne. Could there be anyone stupider than me? All right, this one you should get. Likely my other keeper, tied in Carolina Panthers, Greg Olson. Greg Olson went to Miami. Correct. Are you off your meds or something? Oh, whoops, that's the wrong answer one. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, Johnny. Victory! <laughs> Next, uh, one of my potential keepers, tied in Jacksonville Jaguars, Julius Thomas. Um, oh, man, I want to say... Uh... I know this is wrong, but it's something along these lines. I'm pretty sure Grand Valley State. Portland State. So your ah, mind's in the right place. I, I, I knew it had a state in it. And I couldn't remember where which was. Ah, man. Could there be anyone stupider than me? Yeah, Peter, there's a few of them. All right, last but not least, this is about a week old. Tell me where old Donald Trump went to college. <laughs> he didn't. He's a, he's, a, he, he's a trust fund kid. He didn't have to go to college. Uh, he went to he went to a school. No, um, NYU. He went to the Warden School at the University of Pennsylvania. The Warden School, like to be a warden, like the guy from Shawshank. W h a r t o n Warden. Oh, Warden. I think he's a warden, like uh, the warden of a prison. No, uh, he didn't go to be a warden. Uh, you never know. He kind of looks like a warden. Uh, I didn't. I would never have got one. I'm, the only one I'm kicking myself mainly is, is the Thomas one because I knew I knew that. I knew it was a state, and I don't know why I had Grand Valley. I had Grand Valley State stuck in my head because of uh, Charles Johnson, the new wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings last year. I was look, t- looking at, looking into him the other day. I think so how'd, you, how'd you end up? Do, how, how'd you do there? Did you get you go five and five or six and four? I only missed what I missed. I missed four. I missed uh, Thomas, Devontae Adams, um, who's Trump. There? Trump and who was the other wide receiver I missed at the end? Who was uh, before? Who was right after Devontae Adams? Oh, well, ben, no, it was played. Bell. It was running back Bell. Joy Bell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you pulled some. Those were the t- some tougher ones. You pulled well, the small you know. school guys. Hey, that's okay. What? So what you what did you think of the new format? I love when you talking all my moderns. You, I love it. I, there's nothing. I, that's my favorite thing in trivia. Is maybe other than just NBA in general is all my moderns. I, I pride myself on knowing those. Well, way to go! I'm uh, uh, you did a pretty good job. A different take on Throwback Thursday. I think which, I, I think I victory. I think I, I think I can yell that. If you would have gotten some of the other ones, I would have been very impressed. The only one, again, the only one I'm, I'm mad about mostly about the ones I got wrong because I wouldn't have Devontae Adams. Which I pulled that one on my rear and was clearly wrong. Uh, was 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 the Thomas one because I knew I looked that up the year before last or whatever, and I knew I. I should have known that one. That one, that one kind of irritates me because I knew it was a state, and I was just a small school with a state in it, and I was just way off, though. Anyways, all right. So tonight, I've got to announce my keepers, Trevor. It's keeper night, and I, everybody I've talked, seemingly everybody I've talked to has told me to keep Julius Thomas over Greg Olson. Hey, I, and I, here's the response I just can't to that: do it. You dumbass. What? <laughs> So I shouldn't do that, correct? No, you don't keep Greg Olson. Don't keep Thomas. I I, I agree. I, I do think Julius Thomas probably has a higher ceiling. There maybe is this weird scenario where he could just dominate uh, for Jacksonville and, and catch a ton of touchdowns and maybe even work himself into being a realistic keeper. But that doesn't seem very likely. And Greg Olson seems like a much safer choice because I think more realistic is Julius Thomas goes to Jacksonville. He catches the Jaguars' disease. 
is terrible, probably gets hurt because he's got some a history of injuries, and is just a, a a trash ball, as I've said today. Now I've got trash ball on my mind. Well, you don't, here's another reason you don't want to keep Thomas over Olsen, and, and one of the main reasons, other than the fact the obvious of, of the instability of quarterback and the fact it's Jacksonville Jaguars, you, they've got a good, nice, solid running game and Denard Robinson coming back, TJ Yeldon returning. Plus, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns at the wide receivers looked good last year. And they, I mean, they didn't play a lot in the late, early in the season, but when they were out there, especially healthy, in Allen Robinson's case as a rookie, played very well. And then you also have Rashad Green, a fifth-round draft pick they have coming in. You have and, – and, and let's be honest, if there's ever been – there's always those fantasy guys, TJ, you know this as well as I do, that every year it's always like, oh, this is the year I think this guy busts out. And then there's, there's some guys that fall in that category and they never break out. And one of them is Mercedes Lewis, the tight end in Jacksonville, who for about four years in a row, it's I think this might be the year he breaks out. And he teased you a little bit the year before where he'd have a game or two, especially late in the year, where he looked good and you think, man, this guy's got some talent. He could be a he could be a go to tight end, especially in an offense that didn't have a lot of weapons going in the, other than this year. That's where Julius Thomas ranks to me. I mean, you're gonna see the benefit of being with Peyton Manning and the, the disappointments of being with a guy like uh, Blake Bortles. Too many weapons around him, and I didn't even include Marcus Lee, who has been injured, though, so well, he probably won't play, but still was a second-round draft pick, also in that reputation of guys that they have that are weapons that can get the ball before Julius Thomas does. Well, an interesting thing, that another thing that was kind of sparked my attention was the flip side is that Julius Thomas in Jacksonville, he might I, – I, there could be a scenario where he could be the what defenses concentrate on. And that would scare me because he never had to worry about that in Denver, and he also had an awesome quarterback. But now if defenses in the red zone say, hey, uh, Jacksonville really doesn't have that many weapons, let's double Julius Thomas, what does he do there? Probably nothing. Yeah, so I, I'm not big on I was, I was huge on Julius Thomas two years ago when he kind of came out of nowhere as the undrafted free agent. He was probably one of the most thought-out free agent pickups in week one or two in most big leagues because not very few people drafted him coming out of training camp, and he blew up right away. And he had, what, two touchdowns in his first game. It was that Thursday night game, that weird Thursday night opening game where he had a really big game and everybody was just kicking out, pushing their mother out of the way, looking like George Costanza getting out of an apartment with a with a grease fire to try to get Julius Thomas. So I was on that train. But last year I was kind of faded off of him. I'm glad I did, even though he did produce when he was on the field. But, again, we're talking about a team – that had Manning at quarterback, that had all the weapons they had around him, to, like, to point out to agree with you, he was one-on-one. He won't be one-on-one as much in Jacksonville, and not to mention he won't have a quarterback Peyton Manning throwing him the ball. I like Greg Olson better, even though there is some health issues maybe with him. He had a solid year last year. I'd like to see him maybe – he gets in the end zone, six touchdowns, two back-to-back years, hasn't had less than five touchdowns since his rookie year, which was in Chicago. So he does produce that as well. He had 84 catches, an underrated PPR guy. Kelvin Benjamin will get some more catches. You've got the the, the second-round kid they took out of uh, Michigan that's tight end slash wide receiver might take a little bit of his passes away. But Cam Newton likes Greg Olson, and I like Greg he Olson. He does like him. It's it's just a, it's a safe pick. He's yeah. going to he's going to be a guy that's going to give me at least 12 points a game. And then you are PPR, have right? PPR, yeah. Okay. He'll, he'll get 12, 30. He won't, he won't be a hole on my team. He's not going to be – he's not the best tight end in the league. He's not going to be somebody I'm going to have to rely on to score X amount of points, but he's just going to consistently put up uh, decent games. That's what he's done, like you mentioned, every other year. And if you're confused what we're talking about, I'm in a keeper league that I've spoken a lot about, probably too much about, 
And tonight we have to announce our keepers. You keep two people. My team last year was okay, but I sold my soul to the devil to make the playoffs. And so my options on who I keep are very slim. And that's why I'm going to keep Joyke Bell and Greg Olson. Remind me again, though, real quick. You don't lose the draft pick. Where you, you don't lose the draft that. pick. That's, that would a be big, that's a big deal when it comes to keepers sometimes in terms of the value you picked them at and where you're keeping them. Yeah, it, that would be nice if that were the case. It's not the case. But we'll we'll talk about this tomorrow after I, the decision has been made and see if I made a bonehead mistake Wait, or what. Did, did you say Joy Bell is your other keeper, by the way? He's my other keeper. I, I He he has to be. I don't have another choice. I mean, is it that bad that you're, you're you're looking at keeping a guy that's not even not even healthy right now that might not he, even he will play be, he'll the, be the, in the season opener? He'll be fine. It probably he'll, won't even be the play. starter from behind. It will probably be the backup on Amir Abdullah before the halfway through the season. He'll be fine. Okay. What are you, what he are you might talking? be, but I don't know about your season this year. He he's going to be healthy. I've now uh, I've read a lot about him. He's 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 guaranteeing he's going to rush for twelve hundred yards this year. I'm excited about my boy Joyke. Who are your other options again to keep? Ooh, I, I don't. I don't want to talk I mean, about this is, on the is air. It's so bad that you're, you're, you're you have to defend Joyke Bell, an injured <laughs> part-time running back, to me as a keeper. Is that how bad your choices are? I've got <laughs> Roddy White, yeah. uh, Jackson, who's not even on a team anymore. <laughs> Jarvis Landry in Miami. You got a guy that's not even on a roster. <laughs> I don't even know if Jarvis Landry's in Miami anymore. To be honest, uh, uh, Trey. Okay. Trey Mason, who they've basically already given the job to Todd Gurley, despite him miss going to miss some time. Hey, even if May, even Gurley didn't get that job, I doubt Mason might get it anyway. He might not even that that that's a cluster bleep right there, running back outside of Gurley. And then John Brown in Arizona. Now that's not a bad one if Carson Palmer can stay healthy. I, that that's not a bad one because Michael Floyd's right now going to be out for for a couple weeks. Whether how when he can come back is he's hopeful for week one, but still. You don't know. Larry Fitzgerald clearly is on a decline. John Brown last year showed flashes. That's one I would maybe consider. I'd look. I'd look at him uh, next to Joyke Bell. Maybe I can't do that. I'd have. And then I, you know, even if Joyke Bell does, it ends up just being kind of how he was last year, just not overly consistent. Maybe score some touchdowns here and there. Uh, I can't not have. I can't have zero running backs in the draft with me having the seventh pick in the draft. And basically having to go running back, running back, and those options for those running backs aren't going to be very good either. I mean, so, last year, by the way, John Brown, forty-eight catches, six hundred ninety-six yards, and five touchdowns. Not a bad season for a rookie. No, it's it, it wasn't. I had him on one of my teams last year. Yeah, I, he did. He did well for never me. Really played and, him, but I had him. He's put on some good weight. He's put on some muscle. He's going to be more more physical this year. And I, I but I. I I'm kind of stuck in keeping Bell. I just have to have a running back. And at least, even if Bell, even if Bell and I know they've got that great rookie from Nebraska. Amir Abdullah. Uh, yeah. So you could just let Bell go, keep Brown, and draft him. Or draft Tevin Coleman out of Atlanta. There's there's about five rookies out there that are legitimate guys that could, other than, well, as Todd Gurley, you mentioned. Now his health is obviously an issue. But, you know, you have, um, who else am I forgetting? I'm drawing a blank on uh, Melvin Gordon out of San Diego. Obviously, he's a guy that's going to get some playing time. Alfred Blue, I doubt, has been kept. He's going to be the starter for at least the first half of the season, more than likely, in, in Houston. There's running backs out there you could snag. You might have to reach for one because of your lack of ability to keep a running back in selection-wise. But, I mean, there's still some decent ones, I'm sure, that will be out there draft-wise. Hey, the first thing, if you type in Joyke Bell in the news, uh, in, on the Google machine, 
Like, One of the first articles is Joyke Bell becoming the biggest fantasy football value of 2015. <laughs> this is going to be the year of Bell. People keep overlooking him. He's going to he's going to be healthy. And I'm excited that Reggie Bush isn't there. Now I'm worried that Abdullah is going to come in and just do the exact same thing that Bush did. But Bell's at least a guy that they're going to give the ball to on the three yard line. <laughs> you know, he's going to score touchdowns. I, so. I love how you just you're, you're you're just saying you're saying anything to convince yourself to make you feel like you made the right decision. I know I am. <laughs> I know. Damn it, I know I am. But I just want. I can't have my fantasy football season go down the toilet before it begins, Trevor. So let me well, be confident Keeping Joyke Bell is one good way of doing that. <laughs> let me, you know, again, I guess what? I'm going to be drinking for free on Saturday. Uh-huh. I don't have to worry about paying for the keg. All, right, all because I made the playoffs last year. I'm going to make them again this year. I'm going to scoop me a nice little keeper here and there, and I'm excited about it. While we're on this subject right. of fantasy football, uh, what do you make of, of T.Y. Hilton finally signing a deal, sixty-five million over five years? What does and and we're gonna have we're gonna have a fantasy football expert on tomorrow because I sure as hell am not a fantasy football expert as you all can tell. But clearly, what do, and and I'll probably ask him this tomorrow too. But what do you when a guy signs a nice big fat contract like that, and now he's got some guaranteed money in his pocket, and he's got a few years before he's got to worry about another contract? To me, that's generally a red flag for a for a player uh, not necessarily a red flag i suppose but i wouldn't be surprised if ty hilton didn't improve on his la- on last season and I, the, the one thing i need to, he needs to improve to me is obviously consistency don't just be that stereo following that stereotype of being a just a speed guy that goes deep because first personally you've already got that in a younger version and it's even crazy to say because he was not that old but a younger version than dante moncrief who i thought played really well last year in, 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 in small increments and can be a guy at 6'2 with speed that can go deep. Ole Miss, by the way, as well, along with uh, Mike Wallace. Didn't play there together, but still one went to Ole Miss. Uh, Philip Dorsett, another guy last year, another speed guy. You just show me you can do other stuff to be able to earn that money because, to me, that type of money goes to guys that are that have multiple, they can be do multiple things. And Mike Wallace got all that kind of money from Miami, and you know what Mike Wallace is? Nothing but a speed guy only. And he got cut and went to end up going to Minnesota or got traded to Minnesota, basically dumped on him for nothing because he is a one-dimensional guy. If T.Y. Hilton really thinks he's worth that money, show me you're not one-dimensional. Yeah, and it's just it's easy to get complacent when you've got that big paycheck already. Some people, it goes the other way where there's no pressure on them. They can go out there, finally play, and not have to worry about money, and we'll do better. But I, we'll, we'll have to see which how the, how the ball falls on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, we need to talk about this because it's making the rounds, and I don't want to be left out. What it, and this we're getting away from football and, and fantasy football. We'll save that primarily for tomorrow here on Fantasy Football Week. By the way, what is one last thing: Yates texts in goes, "There will be several rookie running backs better than Bell." That's two against one. We both agreed against you. I maybe maybe so, but can you can, you all tell me right now which ones will be better than Bell, and then we'll write it down, and at the end of the season we'll see. But to just say there's going to be better rookie running backs, well, yeah, no crap, there obviously will be. And also, I don't want to take a rookie running back in the first round. I don't want to have to reach for a rookie running back. I want to be able to get them when they deserve to be picked. And that's in the, really, our first round is the equivalent of a third round. So, you know, in the fifth round range. So our third round. But we'll, we'll talk more about that tomorrow after it makes official that I, that I keep Joyke Bell and maybe solidify my fate for this upcoming fantasy football season. Uh, with that being said, 
making the rounds again as a seven-year-old story or a six-year-old story. John Calipari getting in a confrontation with the Las Vegas coach. You didn't, get, turn, you didn't, get, you didn't fall for an old uh, retweet of a Twitter thing, did you again? Like the, I didn't <laughs> fall for that, but Gary Parrish down in Memphis told this story on the radio again. People heard it, went crazy about it, forgot that it was a story that he had already told about six years ago, and it was Mick Cronin who was kind of talking a little smack about John Calipari. He went over to him and said, we get who we want to get. You've got to deal with it. Don't say that we're cheating, this and that. Uh, it's making the rounds again, so it, it's worth bringing up. Uh, is this cool by John Calipari, Trevor? I know that's a hard question for me to ask you. Is it cool <laughs> of him to do this, or is this just him? Maybe he should just mind his own business. Uh, I don't know if I'd use the word cool exactly, but I also don't know if I'd lean towards the complete opposite of saying he just needs to mind his own business. I can understand where you'd want to confront somebody that you, you feel is you know, maybe bashing you behind your back. I mean, some would look at it just to ignore it, maybe move on and be the bigger man. But I could see where you'd want to confront somebody. And personally, despite the one year he spent at Louisville uh, as an assistant coach, I despised McCronin when he was at Cincinnati. So to me, to see him go at to, to know he, he's going to kind of attack McCronin to his face really kind of makes me, if you can see me right now, I have a little bit of a smile on my face. It's. I just. I always thought he was kind of a little redheaded weasel when he was in state. He used to drive me nuts. When he went to Louisville, I was like, well, this is that perfect situation where it, you hate a guy when he's not on your team and you love him when he is type. And I never really adopted him to say I loved him when he was a Louisville assistant coach. I, I, I understood why. You hate him because you don't hate the guys that suck, obviously. And he was a good assistant coach and has been a decent coach. But, you know. Mind your own business about it. I mean, if you if you feel like you you want to say stuff about another coach because you feel like they're doing something wrong, then you know, keep it to yourself. Do that off the record. That's that's for that's for us to to, to poke fun and make tongue and cheek jokes about, not you. Yeah, I, uh, I I kind of agree. If you're gonna if you feel if you feel confident enough to say that stuff in your small circle and think it's not going to get out, that's one thing. But when it leaks, you better be ready to take the consequences. I almost think a lot of coaches would would do that. It just so happened to be John Calipari way back when. Again, this is kind of an old story, and it's it's weird how it kind of blew up again. But uh, it happens. From That's time what happens to time. in August. <laughs> you get the old stories being rehashed. And with that, again, with that being said, if you're gonna, you know, the old saying, you you talk, like you know, you can't say that word on the air, but talk bleep get yeah. hit, <laughs> right? Hey, this. That's what Geno Smith learned that lesson. Yeah, he sure did, didn't he? Uh, there's more stuff I wanted to talk about. Bo Ryan kind of backing off his retirement claim. Did you make anything of that? Uh, I will only make something of it if Maverick Rowan then reopens his commitment as Wisconsin again. I like how I, I like how <laughs> which wouldn't shock me to be honest with you. Unless I don't think he's actually signed anything with NC State. I might be wrong. And I, I don't know if he has or hasn't, but. It's uh, interesting to me that he's he's using. I'm not the first guy to ever say he's going to retire and come back. Yeah, you're you're right. You're not, but don't use that as an excuse. If you just don't say that stuff unless you're 100 percent sure, and then don't bring it up again a month later. It's he's really probably hurting Wisconsin's recruiting, and he was out on the recruiting trail all week or all summer rather, excuse me, and, and recruiting, which was kind of weird, which kind of hinted to me that maybe he wasn't ready to retire. But when he's saying he's going and saying he's coming back and he's saying this and that, that's not helping Wisconsin's recruiting. I think he may have been all. riding the emotional train of the final, the back-to-back Final Fours championship game as well as maybe the fact that he was maybe a little spurned by that he lost both, maybe not one, but two of the better recruits coming out of his state to Maryland and to uh, 
Marquette and uh, and the big men and was like, you know what, maybe I should just go out on top John Elway style. And, after, yeah, and then he so spent he spent two weeks with the wife without having to work and was like, you know what, maybe I should go back to work. That would be so. You're right about that. I, I don't talk about that enough. But, yeah, you're coming off back-to-back Final Fours. You had two lottery picks, or at least two picks in the in the top 20. And there you – there's two great guys in your state, and one pick's Marquette. And I mean, Marquette other, at least you, is in you know, state. I mean, that's – that's, but losing well, to Maryland yeah, but, is even But if you're going to stay – if you're – well, with Maryland, that he played on the Under Armour circuit, and Maryland's an Under Armour school. You can connect the dots there. Yeah. But – you lost a guy to Marquette. Hey, yeah, I don't care. If Marquette's got a more recent title than Wisconsin does. They won it in '77. Yeah, what, what, what program is being talked about right now? When was the last time Marquette was in the news, except for when Tom Crean left, or maybe even when Buzz William left to go to Virginia Tech? If you want to talk about a lateral move, we're out of time. We'll talk more tomorrow. Uh, glad to be back here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Sorry for the the two day hiatus, but uh, we'll be rolling again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Take a Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue. They say don't forget 2-7, over hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you sing. High time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm doing